0: Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast Too Much Disinformation, the pod that uncovers the good, the bad and the fake of the online world. I'm your host, Rafi Mendelson, and on today's pod, we are going to be talking about communities, not just online communities as we experience many of us most days experience them, but actually the evolution of communities and the role that it plays in society and how those communities are manifesting themselves on the online space. It's going to be a really fascinating discussion and leading us through that is Sonia Cook Bruin, Uh, and she's the founder of the Tech Margin, which aims to bring more women and underrepresented people into tech jobs. She's also a CTO via Acorn Oak, which is a fractional executive leadership service. And she's a regular speaker on the tech scene and has held senior developer positions at companies including Salesforce and the threat intelligence company CrowdStrike. Let's start the show. Hey, Sonia, how are you doing?
1: I'm great, Rafi. It's nice to see you.
0: It's a pleasure to have you on. Thanks for taking the time. Um, We always start by asking the same question to every guest that comes on. Uh, Tell us what was your first ever social media platform?
1: Okay, Um, well, I'm gonna date myself a little and I'm not sure if it's technically social media, but um, AOL chat rooms? So, and then I like many of your guests, MySpace, which I love because you could code and like style it. And it was actually my mom who turned me onto Facebook way back when. And I <laughs> really preferred MySpace, but I guess that says something about the first mover advantage.
0: <laughs> you say that embarrassingly, but when there was um, AO Messenger, that was a monopoly. Like that was the only yeah. way of communicating. Like that was, everyone is using that.
1: Oh yeah. The disc and you had to dial up the ding, ding. Yeah. Kids today have no idea.
0: Amazing. So so AOL, then MySpace, then Facebook. And now what's the most recent account that you've opened?
1: Well, I, I don't. So I do a lot of social media for my own business. And also for my, my husband is an artist, so I do his social media.
0: Mm. So I think this is going to kind of get to the core of the discussion that we're going to cover today, because you, know, you really want to talk about communities and, and the kind of role of communities. And it sounds like kind of your relationship with the communities online has changed. It's a, it's a tough topic of conversation that we don't always talk about in the industry and i think you know we come at these different conversations during the course of these podcast episodes from different people and we touch upon the negativities and the challenges of social media but actually today what we're here to talk about is communities generally and that of course includes for so many people today the online experiences that we have and so you know for those of who have been listening so far a few minutes in thinking yeah, this is weird this kind of conversation about the online space but we're talking about coming off social media so maybe let's take it back and talk about communities themselves and what in in your opinion what are kind of the roles the, the responsibility of communities have, have taken place traditionally
1: absolutely absolutely Rafi um well during the pandemic you know like all of us a, a lot of time to, to to go inside one's own mind and I started to read a lot of books about uh, philosophy and humanity as a species. And uh, one of the books that really gelled with me was Nigel Harare's uh, Sapiens. And in that, he he talks about the ideal community size for an individual is about a hundred people. And that's why things start to break down when we have larger networks, because typically there's not a, set, a shared purpose as the network gets larger. Um, and then, you know, to to kind of fast forward from the dawn of man and when we only had small tribes. You know, here we are in you know the era we're in, and we have what are publicly traded companies that are serving as uh, basically what we take for granted as the public square, but we forget that they are publicly traded companies and they have profit motives to keeping us there. So that means you know the most salacious posts. You know the the most. Um, uh, triggering posts are the ones that are just algorithmically boosted. Um, so we've actually moved. They're they're kind of to, in my mind the antithesis of what a social square should look like, but. I, I, do you want me to talk a little bit about um, how I got to my thinking around the outcome oriented?
0: Well, I had a couple of questions about what you said so far, because it's super interesting. And and, and I think that the shared communities of shared outcomes, right? And how that the the concept of kind of hundred is the limit. I think there are some people that agree with that. And then there are like other people, you know, when you were saying that I was thinking, yeah, but the, the one of the things that I love about social media is that the shared outcome might be, uh, around different interests. You might have different shared outcomes, right? One of my shared outcomes is my local community and also my family. And so there's a few connections there, but also as well, it's, um, you know, I'm mad about sports and soccer. So the shared outcome of the people, the community in the soccer groups that I'm in are going to, be yeah, a completely different shared outcomes for the rest of the aspects of my life. So maybe that's okay. Is it okay to have more contacts if there, if we are able to compartmentalize the different shared outcomes, even if they're on one big platform?
1: Yeah, exactly, Rafi. I think, I think that is where we're going. I think um, what is called in in the more like strict uh, definition and like there's platforms that are just for this is outcome oriented communities, but we Mm. kind of create those um, communities naturally in larger platforms um, like Facebook or um, I suppose to some extent Instagram, but that's not really a grouping, um, you know, discord, um, Slack, you know, but where I think it starts to kind of break down is if the, if everyone in that group doesn't have that shared outcome in mind, that's when it starts to be mm-hmm. like easy for, for, for a lot of nasty things that you wouldn't actually do to a person who's standing right in front of you. Right. You'd never say these things to somebody who, who was there, you know, face to face. It's, it's a lot, it's really easy to hide behind a keyboard. Um, and I, and I, I, I do think we can have larger groups than a hundred people especially today. But I think we have to be mindful of how we're doing that. Like, you know, it's, it's not just put everybody together in this, this giant platform and expect it all to work well. Um, and you know, silos aren't good either. Um, but I think if we, the more we look to this like broad landscape where there's a lot of, um, reactionary posts things that trigger us we're actually looking farther and farther away from our local physical world too mm-hmm. and i find that particularly problematic in um you know i think we do have to strike that balance basically
0: mm, okay and and about the town square i know yeah, you have some interesting thoughts about that analogy that i often hear about that i often use myself about social media the online experiences that we have today is kind of like the town square of today
1: Yes, absolutely. I mean, that's what we think it is, or at least maybe that's what we tell ourselves it is. But, um, you know, if you really stop and think about what an ideal town square is like, and in, you know, the ancient democratic tradition where oration and shared dialogue was the idea of a town square, that is definitely not where we're at with social media. <laughs> But I would say we're maybe more akin to the town square where you have somebody who everybody kind of walks past like, oh, please don't look at me. That's standing (laughs) on a box and yelling. I think we're kind of more in that space (laughs) now.
0: Amazing. And so do you see that need for, Okay, I want to have one area or maybe they don't want to expose themselves is, is there a, a backlash or is that what we're experiencing of kind of people in the way that they experience and are using social media or are we are people not there yet if at all uh,
1: it's 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 a great question and I think it's um it's it's always hard to to answer for everyone so I I'll just do my best um because when we work in tech we kind of have this bubble around us you know, because we talk to people who work in tech, we think about tech all the time. So we see the the trends that are kind of at the bleeding edge. I think the majority of people, you know, they're living their lives, they're using platforms that work for them. Okay. Um, and sometimes it's hard to, you know, to see a, a, a better option if you think, well, there's nothing really wrong with this, like, hmm. you know, I think as technologists, though, I have a lot of conversations with with colleagues and friends and people I've you know just acquainted with in this field, where a lot of us have moved away from the the traditional social media platforms in some ways because they've been actually quite um, negative to our mental health. So um, I think there is a trend to to look for something better i don't think that better or that answer is there yet and it might just look like many different answers and that's Mm. okay too you know
0: (laughs) Do, do you think that the social media platforms themselves would would evolve and move on more in line with the kind of separation i mean you know google plus for example had circles, was it called, or where you could create the different bubbles of groups and around interest or whatever you wanted. That kind of was, you know, but that was Google Plus, rest in peace.
1: Yeah, I know what happened. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think that the platforms that we have that are um, very large today, you know, the Facebook and um, to some extent, even even ones that I think have an overall positive um social benefit like you know even the professional networks like linkedin i don't think they have an incentive to change that much because you know they're where everyone is and that's the 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 kind of magic of creating a social media platform that's good enough that people stay there and um yeah i don't know i don't think they have an incentive to change i don't think that from the bottom line standpoint there's a problem there
0: you know Mm, okay. Um, and, and okay. So, so let's take it kind of forward. What, what do you see? If, if this is a trend that you're seeing born out of a need and a want to have kind of a closer knit community of shared outcomes, shared interests, uh, then, then that logic follows that, uh, you know, people are going to start to follow this thinking and want something else, want something different. What does that something different look like?
1: Right, right. Like showing the way I think is the key here. I mean, it Mm -hmm. probably isn't going to come from the the big platforms, but it will probably come from influencers um, and people, you know, just talking about what they're finding um, that works for them. Uh, I I guess I can backtrack a little bit in my own um, perspective shift. When I I joined Salesforce, um, I suddenly was in this this Slack (laughs) with 80,000 people. And I've been using Slack for years. I've been working remotely way before the pandemic. So I'm very comfortable with like connecting deeply with people I've never met before, but I was blown away by the amount of um, supportive groups that were, uh, you know, whether it's helping each other with a technical problem or whether it was, you know, um, the, Basically, Salesforce is a bit, you know, I think most people know this, they're a big leader in the um, diversity and inclusion space, and they have Mm -hmm. a a ton of uh, groups to support people of different um, walks of life. And I was um, on the leadership uh, committee of the neurodiversity subgroup, and it was fantastic to meet people from this massive company from all over the world really deeply caring about the same thing. And something shifted in my mind about the potential of this kind of platform. If you can get that piece right, if you can get that shared common goal and that greater desire, um, to To help one another. Like we're all there for the same reason. And I know that sounds a little utopian, but I, I can say that since leaving Salesforce, I was part of the big tech layoffs at the beginning of 2023. And I was really sad to lose access to that community. But what I found was I didn't. I'm still in touch with so many of the people that Mm. I was close to there. And, you know, we're having these conversations about how do you keep this going outside of one particular employer, you know, and Mm. almost like, uh, you know, the social media influencers say and, you know, content creators say don't rely on one single platform, take your audience with you. Well, don't rely on your employer to give you this, you know, we need to like not all employers are Salesforce and, you know, you can't rely on Salesforce to always be like Salesforce. So I think people are starting to create them themselves with um, platforms like circle um, discourse. um, You know, a lot of, I've noticed a lot of the uh, website platforms are starting like community um, uh, subscriptions that you can stand up to create your own micro community. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, it's a very organic kind of bootstrappy feel right now. I know there's like discord, but everything's kind of invite. It's almost like everything's starting to become invite only if you want that kind of truly outcome
0: oriented group. Back Back. to smaller communities we're saying, back to smaller groups?
1: Probably, there is probably an ideal size for each given group, even if it's not uh, on a big platform. But you know, like you said, like your sports, I'm not a sports person, so I always joke, your sports ball. Sports ball groups, you know, like if you have you know, twenty thousand people in there, you're not going to have conversations. Probably, you might have spin-offs, right? Even mm. lar- like even when there's a shared interest, I think large groups tend to spin off subgroups because people want to engage one on one with one another.
0: Mm. So, so if we if we look you know back at the communities that we were involved in, and you know historically there were. Based around where we lived right and and people didn't travel so much yet yeah, we're talking we're going back uh, and so those are the communities and and you pretty much stayed you were born and you stayed and you lived and you died in the same kind of area region area spot so if we take that now what are the you, know, you mentioned this perfect example of a slack channel you're in and then you, know, you weren't in any longer and you've managed to maintain some of those conversations but there's a bigger community there so now rather than staying in the exact same spot we're actually moving Uh, you know, and or we might have that move forced upon us, you know, we might actually be blocked from a social media platform, or people stop using that social media platform, and people have built up these communities and these friendships. What does that do to us when we, you know, have those communities taken away, or if we change communities?
1: That's a great question. Um, Well, I I think just speaking for myself, when, uh, when, when I was no longer at Salesforce, I initially, that was the thing that I felt the most acutely was, oh, no, like, I'm not going to have access to all of these amazing people. And Mm. it really hurt, like, like you, like a friend moved away, you know, like you said, when when we were, you know, even many of us can recall a time in our (laughs) life where we had a close friend move away, or we had to move. It's that kind of feeling. It's actually heartbreaking in a way. And I think that says something about the way our brains are wired, you know, connection is connection, no matter Mm. where it happens.
0: Amazing, it's super fascinating and, and and kind of unpacking the community. And I, I don't think we often take enough of uh, time to take a step back and say, okay, you know, what is that trying to do? And what is that also replacing, right? What are those exactly. needs? I mean, I think I personally think um, that it, it enriches in so many different ways. There are challenges. Um, but it's, it's amazing to be part of something or you could have a new interest and then be part of that community. But there are challenges. There are kind of ups- upsides and downsides. Um, do you think there are kind of benefits themselves that are new benefits that we haven't discovered previously?
1: Oh my goodness. A hundred percent. Um, you know, even on the social media platforms that the larger ones that we have today that aren't like more like distributed closed systems that you have to have an invite to, um, you know, even the larger platforms, I know so many people have found community have found connection or even identity. I have, mm. uh, you know, my, my children have like experienced all of the growing up, you know, um, you know, parts of growing up through the pandemic. And that was a way that they were able to connect with people who, you know, could give them a sense of uh, foundation, whether it was my son, who's a big climber, you know, um, and connecting out with the climbing community. And, um, but I think we just have to be careful about the information we consume because Mm -hmm. if, and and just be mindful about how it's making us feel, right? Like if we're getting that sense of support connection and, um, you know, friendship, then that's a great, that's a great outcome. But if we're scrolling and, you know, again, these platforms do have a motive that is not what we're talking about, right? And I think that's the key of why we we have to, as individuals, be careful about the information we're consuming and how we're feeling when mm-hmm. we're consuming that information. And I think many of us just consume information, go out into the world, all torqued up, angry that they read this thing, and then they, you know, have to post back. And it's still happening, mm-hmm. you, you know, I, and that's not good. That's not a good outcome, right? Like you're not changing anything by, by letting yourself feel those feelings for something so far removed from where you're actually are and maybe something that was just put out there to incite you.
0: Um, so uh, you mentioned the book at the earlier in the conversation. What, what was the name of the book?
1: Uh, Sapiens. It's a really good book. It's kind of a, it it goes from like the dawn of, of humankind to pretty much like the, the, I think it goes up to like, maybe the, I'm not sure if it goes all the way to the industrial revolution, but it, it takes, you go on a long voyage of our evolution as, as a species, it's very fascinating.
0: Interesting. And we'll include kind of any mentions or links or things that you refer to in the uh, show notes. um, So that, uh, Everyone who's listening can, can okay. access well, them pretty, pretty easily. a
1: great recommendation about disruptive technology. Um, so a friend of mine who's been working a lot in the AI space lately, uh, Noah Breyer from brand.ai, he uh, recommended in a post, he wrote about um, disruptive technology. It's a book called Black Swan by Nassim Taleb. And just an amazing perspective on why our brains aren't really equipped to handle like this kind of disruptive technology head on it's sort of through these conversations and digesting it as we're living it that we start to understand this world that we're in
0: amazing and i know you there's a bunch of different topics that you cover and you talk about regularly where can people follow your stuff listen to you hear you
1: Absolutely. So my website is probably the most central location. Um, follow me on LinkedIn, Sony Cook Bruin um, and also my company, The Tech Margin and www.thetechmargin.com. I have a newsletter you can subscribe to from there as well and a YouTube channel.
0: Fantastic. So what we'd like to do in terms of wrapping up each pod um, is to get everyone's perspective on one good thing, one bad thing and one fake thing that you are seeing in the online space.
1: Okay, great. So good. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go with bad first because I love to do end with good news. So bad is, um, you know, isolation, separation, harmful output of energy towards other people, bad. Good, the, I feel like I'm gonna quote a terrible line, like, I always rely on the kindness of strangers, but seriously, connecting with people you've never met before in a deep and meaningful way and i some of my best friends i've never met in person you know these mm. are people i've worked with for years i i love them they're allies they're mentors they're mentees of my you know it, so that is the real potential of this connected world that we live in and then i think one fake thing is the idea that people hate each other cuz they don't and i don't think we want to hate each other i really don't i think that serves um an old perspective that it t- just keeps us divided and i just don't think that's where we really want to be as human beings when you get down to it
0: fascinating uh, i really appreciate the time you've taken to go through these ideas and unpack them and give us the opportunity just to take a moment and say okay what's the need what's the 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 want that we want from from communities um and why it's important and take a second to think about that which i think is really important so thank you for taking that time we really appreciate it and have a great day Sonia
1: Thank you Rafi it's been a pleasure take care take care
0: bye bye